The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, we thank you. Thank you that death was arrested, defeated, and because of that, we have new life in you. Amen. You may be seated. All right, we are going to the book of John, the Gospel of John today, chapter 1, as I steer my way around here. Before we do that, I need to mention one thing real quickly. In January, we want to uh, throw a challenge out there. Uh, to get as many folks as we can in the church reading through, uh, reading some of the Bible every day and kind of journaling it a little bit. We're just going to go through the book of Proverbs in January. So this is a little devotional that's been put together. Just gives you a little bit of a guideline uh, to go through. And I want to make these available today because I know some of you might be gone the next couple weeks for holiday travels and everything. So if you want to pick this up so you have it on January 1st, they are out there at the table, uh, out there at the welcome desk. Got it? Okay. Kind of nice. Be the branch. I told you, you're going to hear that so many times. You're going to say, stop saying be the branch. But uh, we, we want to think about that. So last week, we looked at our first passage of Scripture that gives us the Christmas story. And if you remember, we looked at the Old Testament. So that meant we were looking at the prophetic prophecies concerning the coming Messiah, and we were looking at those prophecies being fulfilled by the Messiah, and we were looking at the idea that he is coming back again. So this week, we're going to move into the New Testament, and you may be familiar, but the first four books of the New Testament are the Gospels. We have the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Luke, Gospel of John. Each one gives somewhat of a different picture of the Lord. The, uh, Matthew was written to the Jews, and over and over again, you see the phrase, it is written. He quotes the Old Testament many times uh, because he is speaking to the Jews, and he really emphasizes that Jesus is king. In fact, at the beginning of Matthew, you find the exciting reading that we call the, uh, the begats. You know, so-and-so begats, so-and-so begats, so-and-so begats. And you say, why is that all in there? Well, that's in there to show you that Jesus is a descendant of the kingly line that he was promised to be, that the Jews would see that this is the king that was promised. The Gospel of Mark is actually, uh, it's not the cliff notes of the Gospel, but it is the shortest of the Gospels. And it actually does not even talk about the birth of Christ. The Gospel of Luke is the one that you are most familiar with when it comes to Christmas time. Because Luke was the guy that painted uh, or showed us the most the humanity of Christ, that God had become a man. So he gives us the details about that physical birth. So we're going to look at that next week. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, the the trip to Bethlehem and all that stuff. But the Gospel of John, uh, the last of the four, is different than the others. It very much focuses on the idea that Jesus is God. And if you think about it for a minute, if I could tell you a couple things about John, John was the, uh, uh, he was an old guy. Uh, he outlived all the other disciples. They had all been martyred. John was not. He had lived through Paul's death. Uh, he had lived through Peter's death. Uh, he had lived through the uh, destruction of the temple. He had lived through uh, the persecution under Caesar, the persecution under Nero. He had seen so many things in his life. And um, the other thing that we, we know about John is he is referred to as the disciple that Jesus, anybody? 
loved. That's right. Well, he called himself that. I'd like to call myself that too. Uh, but uh, he said, and we always think of John as being definitely one of the closest to Jesus, if not the closest. Peter, James, and John were like the inner circle, and perhaps it was John himself who was the closest. And I say that because if you remember when Jesus was on the cross, he looked at John and, and, uh, and he looked at his mother Mary, and he said, Mary, behold your son, son, behold uh, your mother. In other words, he said, John, take care of Mary. So it would make sense that John knew the details of the birth of Christ, would it not? I can still, and I, I actually... Uh, I know my wife was a lot more involved than I was, but I can still remember the birth of both of our children. My daughter th turns 32 this, man, does that make me feel old? But she turns 32 this Wednesday. And uh, she, uh, I can still remember, in fact, I was down in Memorial Hospital last week. Where, where are you? You. Uh, and, when, and I was walking down the hallway that I remember pacing that night because uh, we were, you know, they, they said, we can't check in until midnight or you're going to have, you know, I'll stay an extra day. So we went in like 1030 and we had to walk the hallway for an hour and a half, try to keep the baby from coming. And then the baby came uh, 14 hours later. <laughs> it's an agonizing 14 hours for me. I don't know how I survived, but I did. Uh, but, I, you know, I remember the details of that birth very well. I remember my son was a little different story. He came in an hour and a half and my wife almost broke my hands lovingly squeezing it. I remember those details very well. So I had have a very strong feeling that John knew about the birth of Christ. He knew the details, and yet that's not what he gives us. He doesn't go into that. In fact, I wanted to start by showing you a verse before we get into our text in John chapter 1 at the end of the book of John, which, uh, where he kind of summarizes his writings. And he says this, he says, these things, this is in chapter 20, he says, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is Christ. Here's why I told the gospel story. I want you to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. We just talked, we just sang about that. Our new life began. This is what John wants to focus on. He wants to make sure that you get a hold of this, that you understand this, that you grasp this idea of new life. So we're going to go ahead and uh, read really through in different sections here. John chapter 1. And uh, I'll start there with verse number 1. And, and like I said, we'll stop and discuss a little bit here. But it begins with these words, In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Let me stop there for one second and tell you one of the things that John wanted to make sure that we knew is that this Jesus is the eternal God of the universe. He is more than just a baby. He is the eternal God in the universe. It begins with the same three words as Genesis does, in the beginning. John wants you to know that the resume of Jesus Christ does not begin in Bethlehem. In fact, it has no beginning. He is eternal. He is ever alive. Very important that we understand this and that we remember this is Christmas time. Jesus didn't start on Christmas. Jesus is eternal. He was here there at the beginning. Um, I enjoy actually sometimes having conversations with somebody that has a different point of view than me um, and but it, it's sometimes hard to just get an honest dialogue but one of the things that I would like to discuss with some people who do not believe in God my question is okay what, what do you believe has always existed 
Okay, there has to be something or someone that has always existed. Science tells us something can't come out of nothing. Life can't come out of non-life. What has always existed? And so sometimes when I bring that question, probably because I get this preacher tone to me, uh, but they, you know, they get kind of defensive. But I would really like to know, hey, what is it that you believe has always existed? Because something has to. And what John says is he is the one. He is the one who has always existed. He is the creator. In fact, we could say this. We rearrange what exists, and he takes nothing, and he makes something. I'm curious, uh, since we're talking about Christmas, just quick, quick survey, raise a hands. How many of you have ever gone on, a, we'll call it a pilgrimage, you've gone to Bethlehem? Anybody ever been to Bethlehem? Okay, Bethlehem. Okay, you went to Bethlehem, revisited. I went to that too, Donning. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, okay, I haven't been there either. Des, Des and Mary aren't here. I know they've been there. Nobody else been to Bethlehem? Okay, now, let me ask you this. How many have been on a pilgrimage to Waco, Texas and Magnolia Farms? How many have been down there? Magnolia? Just a few? Yeah, yeah, I knew that. I knew there's a few. If you don't know what that is, that's the birthplace. No, it's not the birthplace, but it's the home of Chip and Joanna Gaines. Yeah, the most creative people in North America, or at least she is. I don't know. I think he just destroys things. But, uh, uh, but you know, sometimes we marvel at the creativity of people. You know, we say, wow, man, that person just, they can, it just seems like, but the only thing we can ever do is actually take things that already exist and rearrange them. God is the one who can make something and who has made something out of nothing. He is the one who created me. Therefore, I can trust him with my life because he is that one who is the source of my life. He's the one who gives life. He's the one who has made something out of nothing so, so I can trust him. There's a story you may have heard about Henry Ford back in the days when he first had his assembly line going. And uh, one day the assembly line shut down and all his engineers and everything could not figure out how to fix the stinking thing and he was losing money and everything like that. So he called up his friend who had designed the, assemb the assembly line. I have to remember his friend's name. Charlie Steinmetz. He called up Charlie. And Charlie came in and they said Charlie was just there for a little while and he's tinkered with a few things and got the assembly line running again. And then Charlie sent uh, Henry Ford a bill. And the bill was for $10,000. Now in those days, $10,000, you know, we live today in a day where, you know, guys get a million dollars every time they go throw a baseball. Uh, but, uh, but in that days, $10,000 was a pretty big bill. So Henry Ford says, wait a minute, you know, you just went in and tinkered with something for like a half hour, and you charged me $10,000, so he itemized the bill. He said, tinkering, $10. Knowing where to tinker, $9,990, okay? But it's that idea that this guy knew uh, the, the machinery, he knew what to do. We can trust God, for he is that creator. He is that eternal God. I could trust him with my life, for he knows me. He knows me inside out, the eternal God. Let me read on a little bit further here, beginning in verse number 4. The scripture says, Of Jesus in him was life, and that life was the light of men. He says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Then he went on, and in the next couple of verses, kind of a weird little interjection here. He says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came to wit uh, as a witness, to bear witness about the light that the all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness of the light. Verse number 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world. The world was made by him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own people, and they did not receive him. The second 
thing that John wanted to make sure we know is that he is the light. You'll notice there too that uh, he said he is the light that comes to all mankind. This is not a regional savior. This is not a just a Jewish savior, but the one who has come to all mankind. Some, uh, the disciples would come to Jesus often, yeah, okay, when are we going to defeat Rome? And he said, no, that's not what this is about. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but he says, I am come to conquer in that way, but I am come uh, to be the light to the world, and I am come that you might share or that you might spread the light. And the Scripture says that the darkness cannot put this out. It will not be overcome. In spite of all that Caesar uh, had done in persecution, Nero had done in spite of the temple being destroyed, in spite of the fact that Jesus was crucified, in spite of all that has happened since then throughout history and those who have opposed the message of the gospel, it will not be put out. Okay? The light will not be overcome, the Bible says. It will continue there. And, you know, I, I mentioned in here, it's kind of a random reference to me when I look at verses uh, uh, 6, 7, and 8. It talks about John the Baptist. And uh, John the Baptist was the guy that Jesus said was the greatest among men. But he says, hey, understand this. He was not the light. And I just want to remind us, we are not the light. This church is, you know, sometimes I'll say, hey, we want to be a light in the community, or I want you to be a light where you go. Truth is, we are not the light. We are simply reflections of the light. So the, the importance of us having a relationship with him, the importance of us spending time with Jesus Christ is crucial because I can't be the light. I am not the light, okay? But he is the light of the world. How are we going to respond to that light? We can humbly run to the light. We can foolishly flee into the darkness. If you think about this for a second, if you'd imagine with me that you are in the dark, darkest of woods, okay, and you are there, and off in the distance you see a light. Now, what is going to determine whether you are going to run towards the light or away from the light? If I realize I am lost, and I, I get that, I'm looking for help, I'm heading for the light. If I'm a criminal who doesn't want to be found, I'm heading away from the light. But if you think about that for a second, as far, you know, the Bible says that not everyone received him. Not everyone re received Jesus. Uh, some are going to flee. They're going to run away from it. And I realize that with this that part of my job, if you want to say it like that, is to help convince you or help convince all of us that we, without Jesus, are lost so that we're moving towards the light. You know, so sometimes you say, well, that preacher seemed kind of negative. You know, he's telling people that they're, that they're lost, telling people that, they, you know, that they, that they need to be found, telling people that they're an enemy with God. That's what the Bible says. But that part of what I need to do is get us to the place where we, we realize when it comes to the place where, hey, I need that light. I'm going to run to that light for he indeed is the light that will not be overcome. Let me read on a little bit more. Verse number um, 12. But to all who receive him, to all who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Isn't that fun to sing about that like we did? That we're adopted? I, I, I love that. Uh, who are born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So it says, to all who received him, he gave us this adoption. He brought us into his family. And this is the main emphasis of what John wanted to say is this is what I want you to get. I want you to understand that in him is life. Not physical life, which obviously everybody already had that he was talking to, but you can have this 
uh, life that is uh, the God life inside of you in this life here on earth and for eternity. You have a new relationship with him, and you can call him Father. Now, I realize whenever I mention the word Father, that doesn't bring the same, connot- same thing to everybody's mind. Uh, for some, there is hurt that comes with that. And, and even, you know, they have a hard time. Well, I don't, you know, God is Father. I, I don't really see that because maybe Father uh, to you was more of a hurtful word. You know, that's why it is so important that we understand the Father that He is. Even the song that we sing around here sometimes, that He is a good, good Father. I was thinking, too, you know, even as we talk about you know, Christmas time, I have to, you know, believe it or not, I, I tone down my excitement about Christmas. <laughs> what would you be like? You don't want to know. Uh, I, I've told you this before. You know, when, even when the kids were little, it was never a question of, you know, the kids getting up and waking us up. It was dad up and, can I wake the kids? Can I wake? Like that. I, I, I just, I really, I, I really get into Christmas. I, I really like it. But I realize this, and um, one of the reasons why I enjoy it so much is because right now in my family, at least in my close family, a couple of weeks from now, I think they'll, they'll be here. I got my son and his wife coming and my daughter and her husband coming and their kids. Among the eight of us, there is peace, and we actually like to be with each other. Okay, And I don't say that sarcastically, and I do not take that for granted because there have been times in my past when Christmas wasn't like that. <laughs> my family wasn't a you know, time of peace and happiness at Christmas time so therefore it wouldn't be something that you look forward to and I am also aware that that may not be the the end of the story for me there may be some Christmases that that come with a heartache I say that because I realize for some of you Christmas is our time and what I want us to do today is really get a focus on this life that Christmas and our enjoyment of it and the joy that we get from us is not just about what is happening around us, because that may or may not be good, but that our joy is coming from what has happened in that Jesus Christ gave his life and brought me into this new life with him and said, I want to be the centerpiece of your life. Okay, I might be the, be the centerpiece now of your nativity scene underneath the Christmas tree. Uh, he is definitely the centerpiece of all history when we measure everything from, his, from him, A.D. and, uh, AD and B.C., uh, and we get that he is the centerpiece. But he says, I also want to be the centerpiece of your life. Let me go ahead and, uh, and read a little bit more here, beginning in verse number 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son uh, from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He will come, and he ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. That was another. Uh, sometimes you, you, know, you pick these songs, and I'm, I'm singing them. I think, I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but we're singing about the waves of grace that come. And in that picture of grace upon grace, it, it is like we're just getting smacked by wave after wave. You know, you're sitting there, you know, just at the edge of the ocean, and it's never going to stop. That, that, that grace just keeps coming in. But this God who could be any type of God that he wanted to be tells us that he is a God that is full of grace and truth. Sorry, as we uh, read the beginning of verse number 14, it says, The Word became flesh. That right there is Christmas. 
Uh, that, that's, that's what we celebrate. The Word became flesh. And, uh, and it says that he is full, this, this word, this one who has come into our life, has, has come in to dwell among us. Uh, if you study that word dwell, where it says it, it's, talk, it's like pitching a tent or tabernacling is the Bible word. It says taking up residence. This is what he has come to do, is take up residence in our life to give us this new life, this full life, this eternal life. And he does so with truth and with grace. Because he loves us enough to follow, I'm sorry, to give us the truth. When you think about that, the Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. If you have some friends that are really your good friends, those are the ones that will tell you the truth, right? I mean, you know that somebody is a good friend when they're, when they're willing to share something that might even be painful, that might even hurt you, that you, know, you might be afraid would drive you away. But they love you enough to share what is truth. But he does so in a way that is saturated with grace. So he loves us enough to tell us the truth, but in a way that is totally saturated with grace. And was wave after wave of this grace comes, comes upon us. Is not, isn't it true that every relationship, uh, in every relationship, grace is essential? In every relationship, uh, with kids, I got to offer some grace here. With spouse, uh, she has to offer a lot of grace uh, like that. And uh, I don't know how you take it when I say things like this, but <laughs> I really don't mean to brag in saying this. As I get older, I think I'm becoming more gracious. Well, I better be. <laughs> Tammy, amen. Uh, Tammy knew me when I was younger. Uh, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> she's amen and over there. You need some grace, buddy. Uh, but, you know, I, uh, as I think about that, as I get older, you know, I'm, I'm learning to treat people more with more grace. I, I really am. However, my grace reaches a limit. Okay, uh, sometimes it's just I actually now Francis isn't here. She's here. <laughs> she didn't leave church over this, but uh, I actually you'll find this hard to believe. You know, Francis, I actually really snapped at her one day this week. And I, mean, I really did. I just I just lost it. Uh, it was short lived. She slapped me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it, it was short lived, but but I, I just lost it. And I thought, you know, hey, you know, totally miss it. And you know, every time that happens, I think, man, I thought I wasn't going to do that anymore. <laughs> I was never going to lose my cool again. I was never going to blow up again. Here's the thing to remember about this grace, if you can remember it like this. God has taken all those blow ups. Jesus has already taken all those. Okay, and that the grace of God is is inexhaustible. If we get, man, how exciting is that? How incomprehensible is that? Is that God's grace is incompre- uh, inexhaustible because, uh, and, and he invites us into this relationship. So we don't want to abuse that grace that he has given us, but we want to move towards this one who offers this grace. Would you think about uh, with me for a second just the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? If you know anything about his life while he was on this earth, could you see him with me for a moment as he moves towards sinners? As he moves towards those who are hated by society? Can you see him doing that? Can you see him feeding the, the uh, hungry? Can you f- see him embracing uh, the lonely? Can you see him? Those? That is the life of Jesus Christ. That is the life that he Im- puts into us. And he says that um, if you will, if you notice the phrase, oh, to, to them who believe. That's what he has called us to, to believe in what we're going to uh, remember here in a couple minutes. To believe indeed that the word became flesh. 
Uh, we're we're going to take a minute, and if you'd like to participate uh, in the Lord's Supper with us, the only requirement really that Jesus gave is that you do believe. And uh, if you could believe that that flesh, this is what we used to symbolize the flesh because this is what Jesus used at the Last Supper. And we take that and remember that God took on human flesh so that that flesh could be ripped apart and he could suffer at the hands of men for us. And then we'll also take the blood to remember that to his life, the life, flesh is in the, the life of the flesh is in the blood. And could remember that his life was poured out on Calvary's cross for us. And as I said before, our church has what I guess you call it open communion. You don't have to be a member to, to participate. But the requirement the Bible gives uh, the, mainly is that we are believing uh, in the fact that God sent his son as a payment for our sins. And my trust is in the broken body of Jesus and the shed blood of Jesus. I thought that, great. I always like it. I don't know, I'm, you know, sappy around Christmas time, so I love it a little bit extra just as we take some time and remember. But as we take that bread today, would you remember that phrase? The word, capitalized, uh, because it's talking about Jesus Christ. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld its glory, full of grace and truth. And can you remember, too, the incredible grace that God pours into our life wave after wave of his forgiveness and his grace. Just a minute here. We're going to uh, play a song. We're going to, uh, what child is this? Another Christmas song. I think about this. We're talking about that this child is more than just a child. He's just a baby. As we do that, I want to invite you. Um, I walk back there. There's one station where you could pick up the elements if you'd like or come up to the front. You can go to each table from uh, both sides to pick that up and take those elements back to your seat. But just as we remember, more than a baby, okay? I, I love, you know, to, to think about that. I, I love just the awesomeness of, uh, uh, you know, the, the cuteness of everything that you think of with that, even though the truth of the matter is this baby's born in a barn and wasn't probably all that pretty and all that cute. But still, you, you know, I, I love thinking about the, the imagery of, the, you know, these tiny hands that one day made the stars. Uh, I love that, that type of imagery that, that surrounds a baby. Before today, can we remember with John that this baby, this child came so that we can have this life. And this life comes through belief in Jesus Christ and that he paid the price for our sins. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.